Okay. So we have a long section today in which we are going to continue what we started yesterday. Yesterday we explained that the basic misunderstanding of this piece of Zohar was looking at it that it was referring to the Tyra, God's truth, God's law concerning permissible, forbidden, pure, impure. And there's a bit, read carefully, that's not what it says. What it says is the items, the objects, items that are permissible or or become impure, or are become forbidden, or are per- all of those items are receiving their vitality from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is the general spirituality that we call klipas noiga, this admixture of good and evil. There's potential godliness in there that can be accessed by using it right. There's a lot of barriers around the godliness that can become thickened and can pull it down to further evil by using it wrong. Now, continuing, the Rebbe says, when we're looking at this idea of all of these items of Klipas Naiga, celestial beings, souls, angels, they don't have the power to disencumber and elevate all the sparks of godliness trapped in the Klipa. Klipas Naiga is godliness, but trapped in a klipa. And if you take the food and make a blessing and use the energy to serve God, you release the sparks. And if you take the food and prepare it in a way that it's not kosher anymore, you've trapped them in a very dark darkness. But only we have that power to move these items to the realm of holiness, to the realm of absolute impurity. Celestial beings don't have that power. Now, when we're looking here in general, the Rebbe actually gives us a lot of understanding on this idea. And the Rebbe explains, actually, that let's look at this Tyra that we're talking about. Let's look at this. We said it is from, because we said, oh, we made a mistake. We misunderstood the piece of Zohar. It's not coming from the tree of knowledge. It's not Klipas Naiga. It's rather coming from sovereignty of the world of Atsila. And that's so high, and that's God's mouth, God's mouthpiece, this oral Tyra, it makes perfect sense, it has such energy. On the other hand, we actually see in other places in Kabbalistic works that we refer to this Tyra on much lower levels, a much lower world. What's going on? So the truth is that in its essence, where it truly originates, it's in sovereignty of Atsila. But these laws, these tyrants are going to become vested within lower realms, within the lower world. And the lower the world gets, the more there's concealment on these wisdoms. And at that point, relative to its origin, which is the tree of life, we could even call those tyrus the tree of knowledge and good and evil because it's vested within these worlds where there's already substance, where there's already something that implies something godly for sure, but something besides God. Now, why is this happening? Well, as I just said, 
because man has a special power. No angels have this power. Disembodied souls don't have this power. But man, terrestrial beings, have the power to refine the physicality of the world, to sift through and release these sparks, elevate them from the evil which encumbers them. That's uniquely our ability. And for that reason, the Torah itself descends to become in a space, a godly space, but relative to its origin, we're calling that the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Which is why in certain Kabbalistic works we find that Mishnah, which is the basic Torah of law, is relating to sovereignty on the world of Yetzirah, on the world of formation, the third of the four spiritual worlds. We said it's sovereignty on the world of emanation, on the first of the spiritual world. So is it sovereignty of Atsilus, the highest world, emanation? Or is it sovereignty of Yetzira, formation, the third world? So in truth, it's both. In its origin point, it's on the highest world, sovereignty of the world of Atsilus, the world of emanation. But it descends and it becomes engarbed in sovereignty of the world of Yetzira, of the world of formation, the third world. And at that point, we would say Mishnah, the study of law, relates to the world of Yitzira. And Yitzira, that third world, is considered the Shifcha, the handmaiden, in contrast to Atsilas, the highest world, the world of emanation that's vested inside of it. Which is why actually earlier in Tanya, Baltareb had mentioned, I, I don't even think I gave it over because there's so many details that day, that on one hand, in some Kabbalistic places, we see it says Mishnah is loftier than scriptures. And in another place, it says Mishnah is lower than scriptures. Mishnah is the handmaid and scripture is the king. But in another place, Mishnah is higher, scripture is lower. So what's going on? So what's going on is exactly what we're now explaining. When Mishnah is in its primary and fundamental state, it's part of sovereignty of Atsilas, the world of emanation, the highest world. But it descends. And when it goes into the sovereignty of Yitzhira, the third world, the world of formation, it's only the handmaiden. And so too we see in all levels of Taira that all of them on one hand emanate from the world of Atsilas, the world of emanation, the highest world. And all of them basically descend and are connected to lower worlds. All of them. Scripture goes as far as Asiya. Asiya is the world of action because the written Torah is very action-oriented. It's letters. It's inscribed with tangible ink on tangible par- parchment. It's Asiya. It's the world of action. Mishnah, we've discussed, is the world of Yitzhia, the world of formation, because the world of formation is primarily the world of God's emotions. And law, I want this to be kosher. I want this to not be permissible. I want this to be pure. I want this to be the opposite of purity. That's God's emotions. What God wants, what God feels. So Mishnah, law, relates to the world of emotion, the world of Yitzhira. Talmud travels down to the second world, the world of Bria, because Talmud is intellect, and Bria is the world of comprehension, the world of creation, the world of comprehension, the world of intellect. So all of them start in Atsilas, the world of emanation, and scripture travels as far down as the lowest world, action. Because it has action orientation. And Mishnah travels down to the third world, Yitzhi, Reformation. 
because that's all of emotion, and law is God's emotion. And Talmud travels down to the second world, Bria, the world of creation, because Bria is intellect, and Talmud is the intellect. So sovereignty of Atsilus, of the world of emanation, is being invested in this energy of Kripas Naiga. Why? To extract and refine the sparks that fell there. When did sparks fall? Well, basically two times. One time, of course, was a primordial sin. With the sin of Adam, there went the sparks. Also, even before creation of this world, we already had this. Because we had a Kabbalistic concept called the breaking, the shattering of the vessels, the primordial shattering of the vessels, in which 288 sparks from the vessels of a higher divine realm fell into our physical realm for us to extract them, for us to release them. So at this point, sovereignty of Asilus is becoming connected to Klippas Naiga for us to release all those sparks that if we were only in this realm of pure intense godly energy, we wouldn't even have a relationship to. At that point, even sovereignty of Asilus, we're calling the tree of knowledge of good and evil as versus higher levels in Atsilas, higher levels in the world of emanations, versus the emotions of the world of emanation, the world of Atsilas, they're now the tree of life, and sovereignty of Atsilas, we're still, we're still in Atsilas, we're still in the highest world, but we're calling it the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the emotions don't descend down to the Kulipas Naiga admixture, good, evil, extract the spark, blow away the shells, the husks of evil, but sovereignty of Atsilas does. And this whole concept that we can have an investor of the divine attribute of sovereignty within this admixture of good and evil, within Klippas Nanga, within these barriers and husks of evil around godliness, this is the Kabbalistic principle of the exile of the divine presence, which we discussed earlier and we discussed in the previous letter. As I told you, they thematically connected these two letters. In the previous letter, we explained this quotation from Kohelet that man rules over man, but to his detriment. The man of evil is ruling over the godly man. Here, sovereignty of the highest world of emanation of Atsilos is being connected to Klippas Naiga, where there's all this Klippa, there's all this evil. Man is ruling over man. The godliness is under the realm of the evil, but to its detriment. We're doing this for the detriment of evil. We're doing we're giving this temporary dominion of evil for the underlying intent that the sparks of holiness that are embedded within the evil be extracted and elevated. And this is the process. It's a good thing to keep in mind in our world to understand that sometimes it seems that evil is gaining control. Evil controls godliness to its detriment. Only in order to give the opportunity to ultimately release that godly energy that's trapped within the evil. Now, so there's a bit of a long section today, we're going on to answer another question that we raised earlier, which is we said in the Zohar that we quoted, it said something that we know isn't true. It said that the Torah scholars in the time of exile are supported by the simple, illiterate people, and that's why they have to study all these laws, these bipolar laws of prohibition and permission, because they're being supported by their ignorant brothers 
whose food is sometimes pure and sometimes not, and that's why the sages have to learn the laws. Is this pure or is this not? Because this is the food we're getting. We said, that doesn't really jive, because the sages in the time of the temple, they supported themselves. What's me? So in essence, what it's referring to is during exile, when the world is dominated by the influence of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, so the divine presence is granting life force to these negative powers, to these klipas noiga that veil the holiness embedded in the material world. And what the scholars need to do is extract and refine that godliness hidden in the material world. Now, how do they do that? By learning, by debating, by deliberating. As they painstakingly learn all these laws, this is permissible, this isn't permissible, I'm going to give you my proofs, you're going to give me your proofs, we're going to argue, we're going to split hairs, we're going to bring proofs, we're going to counter-argue, we're going to refute. This is how they isolate and salvage that which is permitted from that which is prohibited, that which is pure from that which is impure. Their study is removing that divinely imposed veil. Their studying is releasing the godliness trapped in the law. Meaning until now we said that through proper utilization of the items of klipasnaiga, of this admixture of godly energy trapped in these evil forces, we can release this item. This chocolate bar got released because I ate it on the Sabbath and enjoyed it. I released the item. This money got released because I gave it to charity. I released the energy of the item. But there's far greater energy actually trapped in the thoughts themselves, in the confusion of the law, in the perplexity, in what is really permissible, what is really forbidden. And there's a lot of godliness trapped in a lot of darkness and confusion. So when the scholars would toil for hours and hours and hours to truly extract the law, God's will, from all the swirl of debate and confusion, this whole process wasn't just to know if I can eat this chicken or not. It was to release the godliness trapped in the law. And that's why during the time of exile, this was the main purpose of the Torah study of the scholars. And this was the main devotion of time and energy of the scholars to disencumber and elevate the sparks that were trapped in the non-clarity of the law. And through discerning the law, they released the godliness that was trapped. And this is the amazing, amazing elevation of the godliness that was trapped in all of these laws. That was a bit of an intense summary because it's quite a long section but I hope the meaning is clear.